The middle of the week is here, and we are right in the middle of a couple of hours that we're going to take some time to tell you what's going on across Dixie. This is the Y'all Show. We accentuate the Southeast right here when we have our three hours of Southern conversation. My name is John Rawl. My job is to serve as your gracious host, and that's exactly what I intend to do. Have a good time and have a good time telling you all about what's going on in the southeast today. Oh, lots of the south having lots of rain and some wind damage as a result of Nicholas making landfall in Texas on Tuesday. We will let you know the latest out of Texas, Louisiana, and more. And this developing storm, the latest storm to come through the southeast here in this very busy tropical storm season that we're seeing also we will go to the new york times for a story here in just a few minutes they've got an article i can't read the whole thing because i don't subscribe to the nyt but they've got an article posted about covid hospitalizations hitting crisis levels in the icus of the south and they they claim that beds are gone in states like alabama texas and florida so we'll bring you what we can from what this New York Times article's got when we get to that. Now, I do know in Kentucky, the pandemic is causing concerns there. The Kentucky National Guard is actually now assisting hospitals, and they're sending 300 members of the Kentucky National Guard to help out throughout the Bluegrass State. I'll bring you the latest on that one. A crazy story out of the Mississippi Delta, the mayor of Clarksdale, Well, he had someone shoot something into his office, a gunshot at the Clarksdale, Mississippi mayor's office, and a man is now wanted for stalking. What's going on in the Delta? I'll explain when we go to our headlines from the Magnolia State a little bit later. From the state of Louisiana, an update there, and an alligator suspected of killing a man from Slidell. That alligator has been captured according to authorities in that state. Also, as we look at headlines from across the southeast and more, how about this story out of the state of Florida? A man used a stolen iPad to give unauthorized tours and skip lines at Disney World. What in the heck is going on there? Plus, we will have some fun telling you about the 50th anniversary of The Price is Right and Krispy Kreme has released an apple cider donut. Mm -mm. All that is coming up in our news headlines today. Our sports headlines today includes some projections after one week of NFL play. Bleacher Report's got a story up. I'll walk through that with you a little later. Also, the USC Trojans on Monday decided to tell Coach Helton to pack up and move out of the Coliseum as the Trojans of the Pac-12 have a coaching vacancy And because of that, we've got a story that the Bleacher Report also, they've been pretty busy here lately, they've got an article up about some possible USC coaching candidates. And USC is one of the best jobs you can have in college football. In America's second largest city, it's America's largest city that college football means something. So you could say, arguably, for college football, Los Angeles is the most important city in America. 
with USC, UCLA, of course, there. USC has been a power. UCLA back in the top 25. They put a little bit of emphasis on the Bruins in the last few years. They've got a couple of bowl games. Of course, the Rose Bowl, maybe the most prestigious one of them all right there in Los Angeles. So a lot of times here on this show, we focus in on the South, but hand Tinseltown its due, its credit. They do take football somewhat serious, even college football. And where are the Trojans going to go for their next college football coach? We will share with you what's in this article when we get to our Southern sports today. Also, this first hour of y'all, hashtag hullabaloo makes a return. We will go on social media and dig up some good stuff worth relaying back to you. That's coming up. Plus, before the hour is up, our friend Melissa Rhodes will be filing a Southern accent on good old Southern culture. That'll wrap up this first hour. Hey, hour two. Boy, do we have a great surprise coming your way. It's a blast from the past. It's our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans. He's going to be back with us. And Matt Hermans today, in his grilling and barbecue discussion, his food discussion, he's going to talk about all these natural disasters that have been happening in the South. He's gone through a hurricane. He's already gone through that ice storm earlier this year that was so awful in parts of Texas. Well, Matt Hermans is going to talk about how you can do a little grilling, grilling by necessity if you get stuck maybe without power for several days, as so many Southerners have had to do. We'll talk about all that with Matt Hermans. Also, Matt Hermans is more than just a barbecue guy. He's more than just a barbecue barrister. He is a college football connoisseur. He's especially up on the Big 12 Conference. And we're going to talk to him for the first time since Texas and Oklahoma They put out there that they're going to try to go to the Southeastern Conference at some point in the near future. And we're going to get Hermans' take on Texas and OU going to the SEC. We're going to get Hermans' take on teams like Cincinnati and UCF and Houston and Brigham Young all now going to be the replacement for those two schools headed to the SEC. All that's coming up in our Big 12 discussion, plus we'll walk through what's on the docket for Big 12 teams this weekend. Some fun ones going on. Texas and Rice, they renew their old series. They're going to be playing in Austin this weekend. And then you also have in the Big 12 the Oklahoma State Cowboys going all the way out to Boise, Idaho, where the Boise State Broncos and the Oklahoma State Cowboys have a Saturday evening affair. That plus OU and NU get back together for the first time in a long time. It's the Cornhuskers and the Sooners this weekend in Big 12 play. We'll cover it all, plus Baylor looks like they're going to get a win, perhaps against the Kansas Jayhawks this weekend. We'll tell you all about that as our Big 12 and college football talk with Matt Hermans comes your way, Hour 2. Also, at the end of Hour 2, we've got a Southern Book Report. We'll walk through the best-selling books according to the New York Times. Hour 3 today, we are going to continue on with our Southern sports coverage. Plus, we will tell you about the labor shortage going on across the country, some interesting things that you might need to know, and we'll kind of compare states there, who's having the worst of times, 
when it comes to this labor shortage. That's all headed your way in hour number three, plus more headlines and more inspiration about the South. Hey, our website is y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. If you go on there, you'll find great video interviews that we've done. You can see yours truly, John Rawl, in action hosting the Y'all Show. We've got a whole subsection of the y'all.com website website devoted to the Y'all Show. Just look for Y'all Show when you're on the homepage, and you'll be able to listen to all the various editions of the podcast that we've been posting here lately we have done more than 500 episodes of this show and you can listen to every single one of them by checking out y'all.com or going to our various podcast partners and we got a lot of them and we got more coming the y'all show is available free download on the iheart podcast app we're on the tune in radio app we're on spotify we're on stitcher we're on the Apple Podcast app right there. If you have a smartphone, an Apple iPhone, if you have an iPad, look for the purple little podcast logo. And when you find that, go search for Y'all Show, and you'll find us. You can subscribe. It's absolutely free. Our show each and every day that's three hours of Southern conversation will magically start showing up if you subscribe, and it won't cost you a wooden nickel. Great ways to keep up with what's going on across the southeast. Also, what's going on, we need to let you know, you can connect to us through our text line. The Y'all Show text line is 803-816-1170. Let's dive into the headlines of the day here on Y'all. And the big story today, frankly, is what's happening in Texas and Oklahoma and Louisiana, mostly Texas and Louisiana, with hurricane-turned-tropical-storm Nicholas. Nicholas made landfall as a Cat 1 hurricane, and that was around Corpus Christi, a little bit north of Corpus Christi from what I saw. It slowed to a crawl, and this was not good news when it came ashore Tuesday. It came into the Houston area, and then it slowed down, and it caused and has caused so much rain as after making landfall, it knocked out power to a half million homes and businesses in this very populated area as it now is likely to swamp over these next couple of hours continue as as it makes its way northeast away from houston still going to leave behind lots of rain and more as it's dumped more than a foot of rain along the same area that hurricane harvey swamped the houston area back in 2017 and this thing also hitting Louisiana in a big way. Nicholas made landfall on the eastern portion of the Matagorda Peninsula, and as soon as it came ashore, essentially it was downgraded from a Cat 1 hurricane to a tropical storm. It had maximum winds of 60 miles per hour at its highest peak there in Texas. Nicholas, the 14th named storm of the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season. Now, what about rainfall that we can already tell you that's come in? Galveston saw nearly 14 inches of rain from Nicholas. Houston, around 6 inches of rain. But I still think they're, they're going to be getting a lot of floodwaters coming into Houston pretty soon. So be extremely cautious in the Houston area and in East Texas for sure. Governor Greg Abbott, uh, Greg Abbott of Texas said authorities place rescue teams and resources in the Houston area and along 
the Texas Gulf Coast. So that's the news partially from the state of Texas. Again, the maybe bigger story, just like Louisiana with Hurricane Ida here recently, thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands of Texans have been essentially cut off as their electricity has gone out as a result of Hurricane Nicholas passing through. So I know that the people, the good people that help out with power lines when natural disasters like this come ashore, they've had it up to you-know-what because of what happened in Idaho where Louisiana is still working hard to get their lights on. And here is a storm just two weeks later hitting a very populated Texas Gulf Coast and hundreds of thousands of people without power. An update on Hurricane Ida. According to Entergy, power has now been restored to more than 90% of its Louisiana customers affected by Hurricane Ida. And as of, let's see, Tuesday morning at the crack of dawn Tuesday, Entergy said approximately 87,000 customers remained uh, without power. At one time, they had 902 power outages of their customers in the state of Louisiana. So, yes, according to their estimates, now about 90% of Entergy Louisiana customers have their lights back on. Since August 29th, crews have restored power to over 815,000 customers and made significant progress in the heavily impacted river parishes as well as the Bayou region and the I-55 corridor of Louisiana. The Vice President of Distribution Operations at Entergy Louisiana is John Hawkins. He had a statement that said, This progress is a testament to the dedication of our tens of thousands of workers and their willingness to do whatever it takes for our customers. For those who are still without power, we want you to know that we won't rest until every light is back on. However, restoring this many customers this quickly after a near Category 5 hurricane is truly remarkable. According to a story I saw, of the more than 30,000 Louisiana poles, I guess those are the light poles holding up the lines that the electricity runs on, of the more than 30,000 poles, nearly 80% of those were broken or damaged in the most heavily impacted areas. Oh, man, this is this is tough, scary work. And I haven't heard of any electrical worker being killed, thankfully, and, and maybe they have been. I just haven't reported it. But uh, anytime there's a storm, there's such a just you don't often give the power line people a lot of credit, but boy, it takes a lot of chutzpah to go in there and, and do what they do. Oftentimes right in the middle of trees down, homes destroyed, people completely upside down with their lives. And when that power truck and power truck comes in and that power crew come in a neighborhood to cut those lights back on, it's one of the only good things that comes out of these awful natural disasters. Again, Entergy Louisiana claiming about 90% of their lights are back on after Hurricane Ida. Unfortunately, this tropical storm now, Nicholas, as it worked its way and works its way throughout the south, likely going to cause some of those numbers to go back up a little bit. Hopefully not too much, though. 
I don't subscribe to nytimes.com, so I can't tell you a whole lot about what the article says. But they posted it at their website, and I guess it's in their printed pages. You might be sitting there reading a cup of coffee in your New York Times right now in hand, your coffee in hand along with your newspaper. But according to the New York Times, they have an article out called COVID hospitalizations hit crisis levels in southern ICUs. The article goes, at least the heading of it, one in four intensive care units in the United States is 95% full or more and available beds are gone or dwindling fast in Alabama, Texas, and Florida. And a map that I can't really get too close here because of the way the New York Times they want you to pay. They want you to pay to read their stuff. Can you imagine a journalistic operation trying to make money? Come on, New York Times. But they do have a map that I can barely read without being a subscriber. But it shows a percentage of the intensive care unit beds occupied in each hospital. And a glance of the South shows that more than 95% of ICU beds are taken up in most of Texas and the Dallas and Houston and looks like even San Antonio and Austin areas, most of East Texas, they're all full with more than 95% of the ICU beds occupied in each hospital. And then looking across the rest of the South and the major metro population areas, Birmingham area, Atlanta Man, Orlando looks like it's solid, booked up 95% or more. And I, I I know the rest of the South's got gaps among the little small towns and mid-sized towns we've got here in this part of the world. But, again, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Alabama look pretty bad. And we know a story we told you earlier in the week of a gentleman who had tried to get into a more than 40 hospitals in his native Alabama got turned away, ultimately died, and he didn't have COVID. He was having heart issues. Just a sad, sad thing. As far as it looks like, according to the New York Times, areas where the number is less than 90% full ICU, most of that's up in the Northeast from, let's say, New Hampshire all the way down to Delaware and then working its way toward Illinois. The Northeast seems to not be quite so bad with this latest Delta strain at this current time. We certainly know this stuff can change any second, but the intensive care unit is a scary, scary, or lack thereof of ICU beds is something that is just out of this world that is going on right now, and life and death decisions being made by people who work at hospitals to decide essentially who lives and who has to die. That has happened. The Kentucky National Guard is sending 300 members to hospitals in the Bluegrass State as the Guard expanding its role to assist hospitals during this COVID-19 surge, and it's stressing the state's health care infrastructure. The Guard is activating over 300 members in logistical roles to 21 hospitals across Kentucky, the effort began earlier this week. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir said he believes it is the largest deployment of the Guard in crisis health care situation in Kentucky's history, 
Brigadier General Brian Howway is director of the Joint Staff for the Kentucky National Guard, and he said a total of 400 soldiers and airmen have been deployed to 25 hospitals across the state. The Kentucky National Guard is sending folks to help out at hospitals in Paducah, Louisville, Elizabethtown, Corbin, Lexington, Bowling Green, Prestonburg, and a few other cities across the state of Kentucky. More to come on this story. How about this story from the Mississippi Delta? The mayor's office had a shot fired into it. And now the Clarksville, Mississippi Police Department is looking for information, looking to arrest someone or someone, the suspects, responsible for trying to possibly shoot Mayor Chuck Espy in his office. And they also left a threatening voicemail on his cell phone. Police say a city employee walked into Espy's office Monday morning to find a single gunshot was fired into a window from outside of the building. Clarksville police offering a reward for anyone with information that will lead to an arrest. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigation is also assisting in the search for the gunmen or gunmen. Investigators say Espy also got a threatening voicemail on his cell phone on Tuesday morning by a suspect identified as Joseph Pittman. The voicemail is allegedly directed at Espy and three other individuals. Mr. Pittman currently has a warrant out for his arrest. If you have any information to help out Clarksville's mayor and try to bring an answer to what's going on there in Cahoma County, Mississippi, you can call Crime Stoppers 800-222-8477. The Clarksville, Mississippi Police Department can be reached at 662-621-8151. And there's also an info line for the city of Clarksdale, 662-645-INFO. That's 662-645-4636. I've always been told Clarksdale and the Delta is kind of like the Wild West. And it looks like a Wild West scene unfolding with a person leaving messages and then a gunshot ends up being found a a bullet perhaps piercing the office of the mayor Mm. y'all talk with an accent on the south when we come back we've got a southern sports update we got a little bit of news on the baseball side of things one of the great players but controversial players of the last decade has hung up his cleats we'll let you know about that and how this player has a connection to the u That and some football news and notes coming your way. This is the Y'all Show. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Girls tell me goodbye. Trucks break down, dogs run off. 
Politicians lie being fired by the cause it takes in one hand Count the things I can count on No, there ain't much man that ain't ever let me down Long neck eyes complain never broke my heart Like diamond rings and football teams have torn this boy apart Like a neon dream, it just don't know me The bars and this guitar And long neck eyes, cold beer Never broke my heart Time for a little southern sports info here on the Y'all Show where we carve into all kinds of subjects including sports news from across the southeast. And the New Orleans Saints, man, talk about going from the mountaintop to possibly the valley in about 48 hours. The Saints on Sunday playing in a neutral setting. They had to play at Tia Bankfield in Jacksonville because of what's happening with Hurricane Ida and the recovery efforts there, trying to get the Big Easy and the rest of the Pelican State back, kind of back on its feet. Saints had to play at the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium on Sunday in their first game of the new NFL season, and they destroyed the Green Bay Packers. Could not have had a better outing. Maybe they should relocate the franchise, and Jacksonville can now have two teams, the Saints and the Jaguars. (laughs) But the Saints look mighty good. And then, Tuesday, the story is broken that the Saints have eight members of their organization test positive for coronavirus, for the China virus. And now there's a real question if the Saints are going to be ready for their next game, which is a hard game. They've got to play a true road game this week. they got to go to Bank of America Stadium and cash in on their NFC South title from 2020 and a whole bunch of other recent years that they've been able to win the division. The Carolina Panthers await, and now with this outbreak on the Saints staff and Saints locker room, don't know if it's going to happen. Now, according to reports, six offensive coaches, one player, and a nutritionist all have tested positive for COVID-19 within the Saints organization. If they are asymptomatic, vaccinated players and personnel can return when they provide two negative test results 24 hours apart per NFL protocols. Unvaccinated players and personnel who test positive must isolate for at least 10 days. Hmm. Now the Saints are going to release at some point today their first practice participation report for the game on Sunday. Head coach Sean Payton said during the summer that the team's coaching and personnel staffs were 100% vaccinated. So maybe, just maybe, and we all hope for the best here, that these people did test positive, but they've been vaccinated and they're going to end up being asymptomatic and can get back after two test results are negative 24 hours apart with those test results they can be back playing and or coaching the black and gold of New Orleans. The Saints scheduled to play Sunday. It's an early game for them at Bank of America. They've got a 1 Eastern 12 noon kick against the Carolina Panthers. This ought to be a good game. I don't know if it's going to get picked up 
nationally, but Jameis Winston, man, did he look oh so good in the 38-3 beatdown of the Packers in Jacksonville. Now this week, I didn't realize this, the Saints have moved out, or at least for this week, moved out of the Dallas area where they've been practicing. And actually, they've been in Arlington. They're going to move a little bit on down the road, a little bit further out of Arlington, Texas. The Saints are practicing at TCU's facility in Fort Worth, Texas this week. So they got a lot going on. That's why it really stunned me and a whole bunch of y'all when they took care of Aaron Rodgers in the way that they did on Sunday with a 35-point thumping. I think that was easily the biggest butt-whooping the NFL saw in week one. So, Saints fans, you got a lot of optimism, even though Drew Brees is now trying to be the next uh, Howard Cosell in the broadcast booth. Jameis Winston, don't give up on the 2014 Heisman Trophy winner and national champion from the school that can't beat Jacksonville State. Yeah, Saints fans, right now your bigger concern should be if this COVID-19 outbreak gets contained and these this player and this coaching staff, if you will, are back up and going. That's the story COVID-wise from a New Orleans Saints perspective. What about the NBA? According to an ESPN article, NBA players – I don't understand this one – players will not be mandated to get vaccinated against COVID-19. According to ESPN, that's coming from a league source. As the NBA and the National Basketball Professional Players Association are negotiation uh, negotiating aspects of COVID-related protocols and procedures for the forthcoming season, which will be here in about two months. The NBPA has refused to budge on its demand that players not be required to take the vaccine, and that aspect of negotiation remains a non-starter. Now, NBA refs and most NBA staff are mandated to be vaccinated. Roughly 85% of NBA players are vaccinated, according to a league spokesperson cited in this story at ESPN.com. But I just find it very hard to believe the NBA hasn't been as proactive as you've seen the NFL be. I think, isn't I'm asking a question here because I've kind of not thought about it here lately. Didn't the NFL come out with a rule saying that if you're under a certain percentage this year of having players, if you don't have enough players to meet the threshold, that you don't not just get a game. It game won't be moved around like it was in 2020. You have to forfeit. I think I'm, I think I'm right now. College, some of the conferences have similar rules too, but they're being – rather aggressive here and they don't want to have games like last year remember where there was a game on a tuesday or a wednesday in the nfl i think it was the first wednesday nfl game in uh, 50 years perhaps i think the eagles no the steelers played somebody on a i think that was a wednesday could have been a tuesday i know that a lot of people loved it it gave them another chance to go down to their local tavern and watch football when they normally wouldn't have any kind of football to watch. And ain't nothing wrong with that, y'all. Let's move on from the NFL and NBA to the other professional league that's kind of a big deal, 
and that's Major League Baseball as they're getting so close to wrapping up their regular season here this month. And it looks like we are not going to be entertained going forward with the services of former Miami Hurricane baseball player Ryan Braun as the Milwaukee Brewers home run slugger has announced his retirement. He was the 2011 National League MVP and the home run king, the all-time leader of dingers for the Brew Crew. He announced his retirement Tuesday. Ryan Braun was a six-time All-Star selection. He's not played this season after becoming a free agent when the Brewers declined to exercise a $15 million mutual option in his contract last October. The 37-year-old, in a video posted to social media by the Brewers, said, I have weighed this decision for many months. While I still love this game very much, the time is right for me to retire from my playing days. Hmm. So he expressed his gratitude and how much Milwaukee has meant to him. Now, the controversy, of course, with Ryan Braun is he got into big-time trouble, ended up sitting out for a while because he was uh, he was cheating, and he was using banned substances while re- rehabilitating an injury, and he ultimately apologized. He was one of baseball's best hitters for about a five-year stretch, all the way up to 2012. But then he was suspended midway through the 2013 season for using those performance-enhancing drugs. He came back, though, and I'm sure under the scrutiny of so many after he had been caught using those drugs, got his bat back and did a great, great job knocking those dingers and making uh, Billy Brewer slide down the slide there in Milwaukee, the cute little mascot that slides down when the Brew Crew gets a home run. Ryan Braun walks away with 352 home runs. Played all 14 of his major league seasons with the Milwaukee Brewers and leaves second in Milwaukee franchise history and career RBIs with 1,154. He also ranks second in extra base hits, 809. You'd have to put him up on Milwaukee's, their Mount Rushmore of greats alongside, some people would say, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron did technically play for the Brewers, but I wouldn't say he was their greatest player ever. I mean, Robin Yount, I think that pronunciation is correct. I would think he's one of the most famous Milwaukee Brewers. And Ryan Braun, and maybe they they got a couple of other spots. Ryan Braun, by the way, at 37 years old, he's a California kid, but he played his college ball at the Miami Hurricanes. Now, he was offered a chance to go play for Stanford, a chance to go play up at Cal, but he chose, instead of staying in California, to pack his bags and go all the way to Coral Gables. And he went to Miami not to play baseball because he wasn't guaranteed to be on the team. He actually got a scholarship to the U for academics. And he also said, kind of funny, a quote, I think the girls were the deal closer on the recruiting trip. <laughs> All right. Ryan Braun, you, you devil, you. 
So he goes to the U, and man, what a career he had there as a collegiate player. During his junior year, his final and most successful at the U, he batted three ninety six, had 18 home runs, and had a 726 slugging percentage for the Miami Hurricanes baseball team. He was the ACC Baseball Player of the Year and was inducted, by the way, into the University of Miami's Hall of Fame back in 2017. Ryan Braun, what a job in professional baseball and now walking away. A fairly young guy. We wish him all the best. Although a California kid, he did come south, and I I would venture to guess he is probably going to find himself in the Miami area again because he is certainly beloved by the good folks of uh, the University of Miami and those who follow Hurricanes baseball. And come on, would you rather be at South Peach with all those girls that evidently Braun liked on that recruiting trip <laughs> or, or be in Milwaukee sliding down with Billy Brewer? We got more of the Y'all Show coming up. We're going to switch over from talking sports. We're going to talk about some social media fun. It's hashtag Hullabaloo. What we're going to find on Instagram. What we're going to find on Twitter. Oh, it's always a mystery. And that mystery will be solved right after this commercial timeout. Hang on through the break, y'all. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. going to remind you that here on the y'all show hour number two not only is our barbecue barrister matt hearman's dropping by and he's also going to mix in some great college football conversation when he's appearing with us in hour number two after he's on just after that we got a southern book report and i'll share with you some of the hot reads according to the new york times always fun to tell you about a good read or two from both the fiction and non-fiction category That's coming up. And in the spirit of books, as we start out this segment of the Y'all Show, our hashtag Hullabaloo, where we go on social media and dig up great, informative, fun stuff for you. We've got a 
posting here that's got something to do with a book. Natasha Barnes on Twitter. She is UIC Prof Watch. She's a literature professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. And Natasha Barnes in her profile on Twitter says she loves her man who loves students. Hypocrites and functionaries begone. Tenure profs who mess with students. Mm. Okay, she's not being very nice about that. She also identifies as vaccinated. Okay, she's a literature professor, Natasha Barnes, okay? So get ready for her post on Twitter at UIC Prof Watch. She writes, spectacle lynchings occur during Reconstruction when, as Frederick Douglass says, it's cheap to kill black people because they have no monetization in Southern economy. And then she writes, just like today. Then she's got a posting of a book. So here is what she's promoting Again, talking Frederick Douglass, the native Marylander, one of the big symbols of the civil rights struggle, especially during the time of slavery, Frederick Douglass. And she calls something spectacle lynchings. I'm going to maybe pull up what that means in a second. But the book she's promoting here is Without Sanctuary, Lynching Photography in America. It's a $75 book that author and editor James Allen has released. And in the book, it's got essays by the late congressman from Georgia, John Lewis. He actually helps pen the forward. Hilton Alls is a contributor on this, as well as contributor Leon F. Litwack. Without Sanctuary, from James Allen, is a 98 four-color, it's got 98 four-color plates from the Without Sanctuary collection of lynchings photographs in America. So it's not something for the weak of heart. You're looking at the lynchings that happened across America. And I like the fact that they aren't just picking on the South here with their book. Lynchings, I would assume, mostly happened in the South. I'm not an idiot. But they have happened beyond the south's borders as well and i didn't know until they had that lynching museum open in montgomery alabama about five years ago i had no idea the amount of white people lynched during the time of lynchings arguably sometimes in some areas at least where you had white and black alike living in an area the white lynchings were pretty substantial too and those lynchings are noted at the lynching museum that's now open in montgomery alabama but today it's more about this book without sanctuary that james allen has authored and an edit and its big source again is that collection of lynchings and it's the photographs of this collection without sanctuary and these are 98 four-color plates of these lynching photos. Probably not something you want to give to little Johnny or little Jane when she's maybe opening up Christmas presents on Christmas morning. 
Uh, okay, I looked up spectacle lynchings, and I'll just share with you what the first thing that came up says. More than 4,000, they call them African-Americans, were killed in racial terror lynchings between 1877 and 1950. Many of these extrajudicial murders were celebratory public spectacles where thousands of white people, including elected officials and prominent citizens, gathered to witness victims being gruesomely tortured and mutilated. So there is that definition of spectacle lynching. I assume that's different than some lynchings probably were just your run-of-the-mill lynching when they ran and grabbed somebody and strung them up and killed them and took their body down and maybe went off and buried them in the middle of the night. Didn't cause a a scene. Wasn't a so-called spectacle. Maybe not as big of a deal. Just assuming here. But the book, again, is called Without Sanctuary. And we want to thank Natasha Barnes for alerting us about it. If you're looking into something that has to do with the uglier side of the south and the history of the south that's something we don't mind talking about here on y'all because here on this show we we kind of mix in good bad ugly indifferent again that's part of our southern story it's not always a happy fun story on this show but it's an important story and that's why we're taking time to tell you about it here on the show about the south that wraps up our hashtag hullabaloo we're going to wrap up this first hour of the y'all show right after this Melissa Rhodes, she's going to be dropping by. She's got a southern accent on good southern culture. And that will close us out here. Remember, hour two, the barbecue barrister is coming up. Ooh, that's going to be great, y'all. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Southern accent. Here's an accent on the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Comedian Mike Goodwin is a Camden, South Carolina native that holds a master's degree in education from the University of South Carolina. The proud bow tie wearing Southerner weaves his native region into a laugh filled act. So I've noticed this in the South. Uh, they're building a lot of new homes and subdivisions, but in some of the titles of the neighborhoods, they have the word plantation. I don't know about you. I can't live on a plantation. We tried that already one time. That didn't work out quite so well. I was at the parade of homes with my wife. They had something in the window I wasn't familiar with. So I asked my wife, I said, hey, what are those called? She said, oh, those are called plantation shutters. I was like, I guess we won't be getting any of those. Southern history, fun, and more at y'all.com. All right, I'm going to have to check that comedian out. Anybody, of course, from South Carolina is worth checking out. But how about this guy wearing bow ties and talking about the South? Now, he, he had me 
at bow time. <laughs> We've got two more hours of the Y'all Show headed right down the path, right down the old dirt road and right at you. Stay tuned, hour two. we got the barbecue barristers coming up, Big 12 football talk, and a look at Southern books. Stay tuned. We're right here sandwiched in the middle of a Wednesday y'all show. Good to have you back here. Man, what an hour we got right here in front of us. We've got headlines mostly from Virginia that I'm going to be getting to here in a second. Then we'll shift over in the next segment. It's the Barbecue Barrister making a heroic return to y'all talk with a southern accent. Matt Herman's is going to come on and fill us in on all things grilling and barbecue and so much more he is a master behind the grill we'll have him talking about grilling but we're also going to get matt hermans to do a little double duty for us today he is also an unbelievable source on college sports specifically the big 12 conference so matt hermans in addition to the grilling talk he's going to come on and talk a little pigskin talk with us and give us his thoughts on the big 12's departure of texas and oklahoma and the arrival of schools like houston and cincinnati and byu and ucf to that conference plus we'll discuss this weekend's big games in the big 12 conference oklahoma states at boise state you got texas playing rice texas looks to rebound and also you got a old big eight battle in norman as Nebraska faces off against Oklahoma. We'll get Matt Herman's take on all of that when we have our update on Big 12 college football later this hour. Before the hour is in the books, I'm going to tell you the top five books in each of the categories of fiction and nonfiction, the top five best-selling books on the New York Times bestsellers list. That's coming up as part of our Southern Book Report. I am John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, and we are the Y'all Show. Our number, if you want to get in touch, 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. We are the South's official homepage. Be sure to go there and enjoy all the free articles posted. And if you get a chance, go over to our Facebook page, y'all.com on Facebook, and please follow our page and like all the stuff you see there so that you'll know who we are and you'll you'll be able to get all the good stuff as soon as we get it posted for you. Let's start off this hour with a few headlines, both out of the state of Virginia. And here is a disturbing story. A high school teacher in the Blacksburg area says encouraging behaviors like, quote, following directions, well, that's white supremacy. And now critics of the Virginia teacher's TikTok and his post there calling for him to be fired. When I saw this headline that a teacher says behaviors like following directions could be a sign of white supremacy, when I saw that, I said, I bet you that teacher is white. And it looks like I'm absolutely right on that. It appears the teacher is Josh Thompson. That's what's being reported He is an English teacher at Blacksburg High School. His school district, the Montgomery County, Virginia School District, did not return 
a media outlet's request for comment on the TikTok video that he put out there. But the teacher claims that encouraging students to behave is indeed white supremacy. Now, Josh Thompson does have a Twitter account that is at least still up and going as of right now. And J-T-H-O-M-P-E-D-U appears to be his Twitter handle. A simple visit to that, you see a collection of clenched fists, the black pride symbol, but these clenched fists are in the colors of the trans movement and the gay pride movement. And he's got hashtag Black Lives Matter all over his image. He's wearing a rainbow t-shirt, Josh Thompson is. His profile says, English educator, reader, writer, laugher, disrupt text supporter, wearer of cardigans, I believe in children, teaching is political. And then he's got a rainbow flag, Josh Thompson, teacher, Blacksburg, Virginia. And here is what is causing a lot of the problem. Here's what he has said in the TikTok video, if you get a chance to see it. He said, I stated that PBIS, that's Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports, PBIS. I stated that PBIS is white supremacy with a hug, and a lot of y'all wanted to know more about that. Okay, this PBIS is a framework used by Virginia's public schools to support positive academic and behavioral outcomes for all students. Well, give Josh credit. He did use the word y'all on his TikTok video. Maybe I could pull this thing up here. Let him explain. I made a comment on one of Miss April's recent videos about PBIS in which I stated that PBIS is white supremacy with the hug. And a lot of y'all wanted to know more about that. So here we go. So if PBIS concerns itself with positive behaviors, um, we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, what are those positive behaviors? And it's things like making sure that you're following directions and making sure that you're sitting quietly and you are in your seat and all these things that come from white culture. The idea of just sitting quiet and being told stuff and taking things in in a passive stance is not a thing that's in with many cultures. So if we're positively enforcing these behaviors, we are by extension positively enforcing elements of white culture, which therefore keeps whiteness at the center, which is the definition of white supremacy. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> okay, well, that's what's uh, that's what's teaching people in Blacksburg, Virginia. Josh Thompson appears to be that teacher. More on that story, I'm sure. And uh, I bet you in Blacksburg, Virginia, they're not going to do anything to this guy. All right. Now, more news from the Commonwealth. Five people who've arrived in Virginia from Afghanistan have measles. These people who've just come in as evacuees from Afghanistan diagnosed with measles, according to state officials in the Richmond area. The cases are being reported after the U.S. halted inbound flights of Afghan evacuees following the discovery of a few cases of measles among the new arrivals. The Virginia Department of Health said in a news release that the people were part of a U.S. government emergency evacuation effort from Afghanistan. The health officials did not offer specifics regarding where the people who are infected are indeed now located, but they said they're working to identify and contact people who may have been exposed in three different parts of the Commonwealth of Virginia. 
Now, a little reminder about measles. Measles is a viral infection. It's a serious thing for kids, small children especially. It's, get this, easily preventable by a vaccine. The disease spreads through the air by respiratory droplets produced from coughing or sneezing. Measles symptoms don't appear until 10 to 14 days after exposure. Those symptoms include cough, runny nose, inflamed eyes, sore throat, and more. There's no treatment to get rid of an established measles infection, but over-the-counter fever reducers or vitamin A will help with symptoms. It's very rare. Usually there are fewer than 1,000 measles cases in America each year. Right now they got five of them going on in Virginia, all due to these new Afghan evacuees resettling in America, and they're spread out in various locations right now in the state of Virginia. We'll keep you posted on all of the developments with this measles outbreak there. We've got Matt Herman's outbreaking here after the break. He's going to come on and tell us about barbecue and grilling, and he's also going to talk about college football. He is the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. Matt Herman's is also a barrister of Big 12 college football and more. Matt Herman's up before the hour is up. We've got a book report, the top five reads in each of the New York Times best-selling categories. Stay tuned. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. We got 24 tall boys on the chill. Yeah, 14 of them's mine. A little Marshall Tucker on the radio. You know, we're just catching a little groove before the show. We ain't playing nothing slow at the parking lot party. A tailgate bug just a sipping on suds ain't ever too early. To light one up, fill up your cup, cause I ain't no party like All those parking lot parties are going big time now that we've got football at the high school, the college, and the NFL level. Hello, we're back here on this midweek edition of the show that covers everything Southern. I'm John Rawl, now joined by an old friend of the program, although he may be an old friend, he's a whippersnapper compared to yours truly, and it always is fun to bring on Matt Hermans. He's our barbecue barrister, and our barrister has been working hard, 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 so hard that we haven't really had him on here regularly lately, but we're going to try to change that 
going throughout the rest of the next couple of months and more. Matt Hermans will be dropping by to talk barbecue, grilling, and we'll get him to talk a little sports, mostly college football talk here. But let's go now to our guy that puts the barrister in barbecue. He is Matt Hermans. And Matt, thank you again for coming back on to the Y'all Show and giving us your dose of deliciousness. Man, I'm glad to be back, John. It's been a it's been a hot minute, as they say, but I yeah. am not. I am ready. I'm ready, and, and college football's in the swing, so I'm I'm licking my chops. It is. How's it? We're going to talk more football with you in the next segment, but just just as a little primer here, or what I guess you have to do when you are grilling, you got to go out there and get the grill cut on, just to kind of tease us here, Matt. Uh, how, how's it going so far? It's going well. We had a little a little storm recently, uh, but uh, we'll be uh, we'll be okay. Got a little rainfall, but that's not going to stop the uh, it's not going to stop the smoker. So yeah. uh, this is uh, this is getting into my personal personal favorite time of year to uh, to grill and to get the barbecue pit rolling, um, the weather and the football and all that good stuff. This is my favorite time. There's some there's some great times we've talked about some great holidays, but happens to be kind of getting into my my favorite time so i'm i'm ready yeah we haven't really talked to you much since around july 4th so we got to do some catching up and you know one of the themes matt Herman's, as we have a show all about the south is we have really been sucker punched multiple times since july 4th with a lot of storms from ida to nicholas the most recent thing to come through likely going to have more storms Matt, first of all, we don't want to discount anybody who's had to suffer as a result of any of those storms and such and the loss of life, of course. We certainly uh, want to keep that in mind. But one last thing about these storms, Matt, is our friends, especially in South Louisiana, Homa area, got really hurt bad by Ida, and they lost all that electricity in the Pelican State. And so you're a guy that knows a lot about grilling and cooking outside, these people don't have electricity, so they're grilling, and they're grilling because they have to. Out of, they're doing it out of a necessity. So, Matt, yeah. if you could give us some tips, if you know you're going to be without power for quite some time, and you still got some grilling stuff, and you know you can get your grill going, what would be some of uh, your tips to have a long-term grill if necessary? Well, pretty straightforward. You can need a you're gonna need a charcoal grill if you got propane you can you can roll with a gas grill uh, a lot of them have electric igniters but you really don't need an electric igniter all you need is a a match or a um or a little click lighter but you know if all that's wet um it may be a little bit difficult but you can figure out a way to get that gas lit if you got propane bottles you can you can grill on your gas grill but if you're doing charcoal all you really need is all you really need is dry charcoal, and uh, you can uh, you can light charcoal with just about anything that'll burn. Paper, um, paper towels, napkins, uh, you know, uh, bathroom tissue. We'll call it that. Uh, anything that'll burn, uh, especially if you got a little chimney, or you can arrange your your charcoal in a, in a in a pyramid fashion. You can you can light charcoal as long as it's dry. So I would say you need dry charcoal, you need a place to put the charcoal, and you need a grate to put your meat on, and, and you, that's it. You can go back to the uh, the caveman days, and you can make uh, you can make stuff. So uh, that's the great thing about grilling is uh, if you got the propane and you got uh, or you got charcoal. As long as that charcoal's dry, you can do anything you want with it. And uh, like you say, a lot of folks in South Louisiana probably probably grilling because they got to, not because they want to, but. Yeah. Uh, 
You know, that's uh, that's, what what if they don't have the charcoal, Matt? Well, you're going to have to have a heat source. So, uh, you know, you can use wood if you've got dry woods. A lot of times you think, well, you had a big storm and that's really going to put a damper on the wood. But a lot of, a lot of times people have cords of of firewood and cords of, of wood that they burn and just getting a little bit wet. Um, that's only going to, it's really going to only affect you for a couple of days because it's already kind of cured. So if you've got wood, you can burn that, of course. Uh, you can always burn wood down to charcoal and cook it that way, or you can just cook over fire. Um, so if you've got wood, then uh, then you have fire as well. You just got to find a way to get it lit. And I know folks have, um, you know, there's there's different things that can get your wood to burn. I would tell you that if you're going to, if you're going to try to start up a, a bunch of logs or something with uh, an alternative fuel source, right? Like, uh, you know, gasoline, that'll, that'll do, that can do some damage, but maybe diesel or something like that. You want to make sure that that's all burned off a hundred percent. And, uh, before you put meat over it, you just don't want to have any of that residue, but it's possible. It's possible to do it as long as you let it burn down long enough. And, uh, so I know people are struggling. I know, you know, when it comes to, uh, necessity grilling as opposed to uh, pleasure grilling. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different things you can do. But if you got wood, uh, you can certainly burn wood, and you can let it burn all the way down to charcoal if you want to do it that way. So, fire and meat, man, this goes back a long way. Yeah, it you does. Get fire, you can get fire. Um, you know, you can cook meat. Matt, let's talk about the meat in a time where people are really suffering. Let's say it could be from Ida. It could be. You went through a rough spell earlier this year with the freeze that happened, and a lot of people were mm-hmm. stranded and things like that. How do you get the meat that you just mentioned when you're in a natural disaster? Yeah, so the different things are different, right? Um, during the freeze, you know that was a that was a thing we did go through, and we were we had some serious issues in my neck of the woods. But getting food, if you could get to a place. If you could get to a, a grocery store, get to a um, uh, any type of store, you really didn't have an issue. A lot of the powers were out in the stores, but when it's 25 degrees outside, your, your meat's not necessarily going to spoil. But um, it's a matter of getting there. Now, in, different in August, it's different in uh, in early September. Whenever if you have uh, power outages, your your meat's going to go bad pretty pretty quick. But a lot of folks have deep freeze. A lot of folks have generators. Uh, a lot of people I know have uh, kind of pooled together some resources uh, to to kind of help help out the community and friends and, and things like that. So um, I would say the best best uh, scenario is preparation. Uh, you know, you got to uh, once you if you think there may be something coming, and I know a lot of folks did, although the extent of the damage was kind of a surprise. But if you know ahead of time, it's good to go out and get it. Good to fill your generator up. Good to, to maybe hook the hook the deep freeze up to a generator mm-hmm. and, and go from there because then you can, uh, like I say, you can find heat, and if you've got food, uh, then you're you're probably going to be okay as long as you got water as well. So preparation is the best, and then I would say a lot of folks are they're going to be stores that are they're going to have you know maybe not the best selection, but they're going to have things like hot dogs and, and maybe sausages and stuff like that. You just need to be careful getting there. Obviously, don't uh, you don't want to risk risk going through some um, you know water or anything like that to get Matt, food. Matt, did you see during the storm of the winter time? Did you see stores trying to do their best to get rid of food? Well, 
I can only speak to kind of my experience. We had, you know, we were in uh, Texas, so we had the big, you know, grid failure. Uh, so there was no power for, and at least where we are, uh, for for a long time. And so stores were running on generators, and, but they were not. They weren't trying to get rid of food, but there was a lot of. Uh, it was it was more of a matter of being able to get there with frozen roads and stuff shut down and and all kinds of infrastructure failures like that than it was to be able to get food. So we could get food mm-hmm. uh, because these big stores like a you know Kroger or something was on a generator. Uh, but uh, there were little little uh, you know entities around who were who were giving away food to people who who couldn't get there or that uh, just. You know, there was had no power and no way to cook anything, so they would give away pre-cooked meals. But um, no, I don't. They weren't trying to get rid of anything, and mm-hmm. they were uh, they were functioning about as well as you could hope uh, okay. with with the generators. How long were you out of electricity? We didn't have electricity for about a week. Okay, and it was about uh, it was about twenty five degrees in the house, so we were kind of hopping around to. The different places that you know in fact we ended up staying several nights at a friend's house that just had a fireplace they didn't have power either but uh it was freezing but we all <laughs> laid in front of it we all laid in front of a fireplace for a few nights and that was uh it was a lifesaver yeah you, you could have gone down to uh cancun could have yeah i, I don't know man i, I guess uh i knew some, somebody knew something that i didn't know because yeah. uh, i guess i didn't expect to not have power for a week but uh i don't know it's amazing what what kind of tip-offs you can get in certain certain scenarios right <laughs> that's right talking to matt Irvins, he is our barbecue barrister matt let's get away from the doom and gloom of natural disasters and let's talk about something certainly man-made certainly something a little bit more uplifting we've got football up and going and i'm going to talk to you about actual teams in the next segment but right now let's talk about tailgating let's talk about food (laughs) what is it we can look forward to now that we're at the matt hereman's barbecue feast and what is it you've got kind of your eye on for some of the big games this year oh man um so everything everything's on the menu um i'll tell you who was on the you know Longhorn was on the menu this last week. We, get, <laughs> we, we can we can get into that here shortly, but you know I'm always a fan of eating the opponent if you can, and uh, you know a lot of times you can't, but uh, if you can, I say take advantage of that. But I, we're we're going to do some, we're going to do ribs, we're going to do pork shoulder, we're going to do spatchcock chicken, we're you know we're going to do anything we can. We're going to do some sausage. We'll. Uh, I like to change it up. I like to change it up week to week because you only got so many weeks football season. That's if you can true. Fig- yeah, if you can figure out something different or to do every week, then uh, that's a great thing. That's kind of what I like to do. But um, that's that's my plan. Everything, everything, including opponents. Yeah. Well, what about appetizers? How big of a importance do they have on your game day tailgating food? That's a. I think it's. I think it's great. I'm a big fan of. Um, little snackers you know appetizers um throughout the course of the day because generally well i say generally everybody's got their style but you're looking forward to a particular game if you're gonna have folks over for instance if you live in a in a you know in a state that has a couple big schools you're probably going to uh, have an allegiance to one of them uh, and you're probably going to be looking forward to that game more than others so um let's say you have a three you know, 3 p.m. or maybe you have a 6 or a 7, um, you're probably going to want to eat your main meal there kind of around the time of the football game or maybe at halftime. So 
but you're not just going to have people show up 10 minutes before the game and, and eat and then go home afterwards. That's not really the way a lot of folks like to do it. You kind of make a day out of it. So you can have people hungry. If you got a 3 p.m. game, you can have people hungry at noon. If you have a 6 p.m. game, you can have people starving all day. So what you want to do when you got your, your, your racks of ribs or your pork butt or your brisket on your, on your smoker, it's really nice to be able to put other uh, little snack items on there as well. And there's some pretty good options. So I, I like... I like having little snacks throughout the course of the day, appetizers before the main event, which is your 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 big sandwiches or your your ribs or whatever you're going to do. So, I'm a big fan of that. Big fan of that. Matt, are you the kind of person that gets their feelings hurt at a tailgate if someone doesn't have not only the appetizers, but if the appetizers are not something that are done with love, meaning they were done <laughs> by a human being? There's something that somebody went by and either bought and put and, and took it out of a bag or maybe they went through a drive through Are well, your feelings hurt when you see that kind of stuff? My, no, no. It, well, I will tell you, there's different different scenarios, right? If you're at somebody's house and uh, and maybe maybe they got a – you look out in the backyard and they got a couple grills or they got a big smoker, and then you see something maybe from the local chicken joint, you may think to yourself, you know – I don't know, maybe you could have put these to use uh, a little bit more. But if you're at a tailgate, if you're in some place like the Grove and, and you can't can't exactly fire up a, a pit there right in the in the tailgate area, no, I don't I, I would be very grateful and very happy to uh, enjoy some uh, some pre-made uh, items. Uh, so it depends. It depends on the scenario. even even a purist like myself, I can uh, I can enjoy different scenarios and different things. but I will tell you, if you're at somebody's house, if you're at my house, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to have everything I possibly can um, cook there and and have my hands in it, figuratively, not necessarily. Uh, even have my even hands the potato chips, you're gonna have homemade. Yeah, potato I'm just chips. gonna have my hands. Yeah, I'm gonna have my hands all in them. That's right. I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna make sure to touch every single one of them. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know what I mean. You, you want to have something interesting. Uh, maybe if you have the if you have the space and you have the logistics there in your backyard so it depends yeah it depends well we'll get more in depth with you on some of these certain selections as we work ourselves through football season but we also are going to have matt hermans on here on a, a regular basis to talk about all kinds of aspects of cooking and it includes the different grills the different ways of grilling and the various barbecue types barbecue sauces barbecue preparation Go ahead, Matt Hermans, brag on yourself. You're a guy who used to sell barbecue grills. You've been all over the place. You are what we call, I think in the biz, a barbecue nerd. <laughs> I do have a uh I do have a particular affinity for barbecue. In fact, uh my wife would probably tell you it's it's an obsession. I would say it's uh, you know, a healthy I'm a healthy fan of barbecue, but uh yeah, I do. Sounds uh, like your wife wants you to go to counseling. Well, I mean, it's one of those things you don't bring it up if you don't want to know the answer. So <laughs> uh, I, I just, I figure, I've told her before, I said, you know, I don't gamble and, and don't really go out and hit bars or anything. I, what I do is smoke meat. And uh, I think she's kind of like, well, that's not that bad. That's what she says, but deep down she's probably hurt. Matt Hermans is our barbecue bear. She she shouldn't be hurt. My God, I think you're the perfect spouse. You, and if she didn't want you, uh, call me up. Uh, six six. Yeah, no. 
Matt Hirvins is our barbecue barrister, and we are having a great time with him, and we're going to keep having a great time with our barbecue barrister. That's because we're going to shift over. We're going to go to a break. We're going to shift over, and he's going to put on his other hat, and that other hat is a college sports junkie as well. Yeah, maybe he should go to counseling here pretty soon. We're going to get Matt Hearman's take on some college football news and notes, and we'll specifically get him to weigh in on the Big 12, trying to make sense of what's going on with that conference. And we haven't even had a chance to talk to him about the Benedict Arnolds of the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas. We'll have all that when we come right back, wrap things up with our barbecue barrister and our Big 12 college football barrister, Matt Hermans. Hang on, y'all. And the Oklahoma State Cowboys have found a way to stay 2-0, which not everybody in the Big 12 can say that right now. We're back here on Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. John Rawl now with Matt Hermans, our barbecue and our Big 12 barrister. Frankly, he's our college football barrister. And he is on to talk a little college football with us for a few minutes and OSU is going to be making their way all the way out to Boise for a battle against the Broncos, and that's going to be a late Saturday evening contest. Barbecue Barrister, back here with us. Let's get your thoughts on how the Big 12's going in the season so far, but the big news that we haven't really been able to chat with you about is the news that came out about six weeks ago. Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. Are you going to file a suit of your own against those two schools. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think it's uh, I don't think my suit probably would go very far, but um, no, no, I'm just going to let, uh, let bygones be bygones, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, Oklahoma, that is big news. And um, so the funny thing about it is, well, I don't know if you want to get into that whole thing, unless you want to talk about the, uh, talk about this week first but uh big uh you know big big get on paper for the sec and uh my question to you do you blame oklahoma and texas for tr- jumping to the sec did they do the right thing for their institution of, of course they did i mean it's it's obvious that yes anytime you get an, a an invite to the premier conference in, in the country then you're gonna you're gonna take it for a bunch of different reasons so money is of course a reason that's probably to be realistic at the current kind of the current state of where we're at, it's probably, you know, reason one through 10 is money, but there, there are a lot of other reasons to do it and matchups, stadiums, fan support, tailgate, uh, interest, you know, tradition, all that, every reason in the world. Yeah. So, um, 
No, I can blame the University of Texas for a lot of things, uh, but I, I cannot blame them for availing themselves the opportunity. Now, I can blame them for destroying the Big 12 and then, then jumping ship. That's pretty easy to do because that's, that's what they did. Uh, but, no, I, objectively, you can't. If you have a chance to do that, you, you do it. All and, right. Uh, so, no. so the Big 12 decides to, in the last few days, extend invitations and invitations accepted from several other schools to replace Texas and Oklahoma. They invite four schools to join the Big 12. UCF, mm-hmm. they've invited Cincinnati. They've invited the Houston Cougars and the BYU Cougars. Yeah. None of those, of course, are a replacement for Oklahoma or Texas. All right. I wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> they're not, not even, not nowhere, nowhere close. All I four of them combined don't equal one of no, those, right? Not, not even, not even a, not even a piece of one. So, uh, the best get and the really the only, the only get to be quite honest is BYU. And that's a, that is a program that is, it's a big time program. Um, we know it's unique. Obviously, it's connected to the, uh, church of latter-day saints so they have they have kind of a unique uh, thing going on there but as far as facilities and fan support and stadium and and um you know even history to a large degree it's a big it's a big time football program and and they they do have a following and they do get uh, a lot of viewers across country so byu is a good get um for the big 12 the rest are, are really not um, but someone had to come right i mean something had to happen so you know, but, wanna, but, but, wanna... okay. If you're as not so enthusiastic about four teams joining the Big Twelve, then that's yeah. got to make a lot of the members who are currently in there be doing everything they can to find another option. Yeah, and I think that is still something that will happen. So you don't you don't replace the University of Texas and, and the University of Oklahoma with. Uh, Central Florida, uh, Cincinnati, uh, University of Houston, which is a big question mark, uh, and BYU, like I said, is a, is a, a decent ad, but it's not a replacement. So you don't. It's a it's a big step down. No offense to any of those institutions, but it, it it's a huge loss. It's in every way, monetarily, uh, viewership. You know, it's just in every way. So you know, it's not a. It, you're right. It's not a situation where you say, well, we just lost OU in Texas, uh, but we got, you know, we got central Florida, so we're going to be fine. Let's, let's wrap this thing up forever. No, um, there are still going to be schools looking at other options, uh, period. You've already heard rumors of TCU and, um, and other schools, maybe Oklahoma state still kind of flirting with the PAC 12 to the extent that that happens. Um, I don't know. Uh, my gut tells me that you still have a few years remaining in your media contract and, um, you're going to probably try to milk that until, until you, uh, until you can't. And that goes through 2025, at least theoretically, you still have Oklahoma and Texas until then. At that point, uh, you know, you're going to have the big 12 with the, with the four editions, but, um, what happens when that, uh, when that contract ends is is going to be pretty clear you're not going to get the same contract you're not you're not going to get anything close because you've lost your two premier programs so um i think it's not over for the big 12 the big 12 has been an absolute um i don't know uh, it's been a mess for uh, a very long time and it's been essentially managed very poorly 
It's actually been managed by the University of Texas. Is what it's been <laughs> ever for in, since its inception. It, it, since, in 1996, you can just basically put the University of Texas in the in the seat uh, of power, and that's what it's been. So that's why Colorado left. That's why Nebraska left. Is that really why they left? It came down to Texas. Absolutely, that's why they left. This is a conference completely run by the the University of Texas, and they had their own network. You have to remember that this was. Um, I know when, that's why A and M left. Well, A&M didn't want any part of it, and they had an opportunity to move to a, a better fit for them as well. But uh, long story short, you know, when when other schools and other conferences were coming together to get big media contracts, the SEC Network, the Pac-12 Network, Big Ten Network, uh, University of Texas basically said, yeah, um, we're going to go ahead and just do the Longhorn Network, and, and the rest of you can, you know, do whatever you need to do. Uh, and that was kind of the end of the deal. For Colorado and, and Nebraska and, and every other school, so they've they've, like I said before, they they poisoned the well, they destroyed the league, and now they're now they're going to. to Do you think ground. Texas is going to mind their business in the SEC? Are they going to play get along with others? I guess they're going to. No, they're not going to. They're going to try to. Um, they're going to try to run as much of that league as they can. And and if you look at it from an outside perspective you say well this is an inferior football program it's an inferior um it just doesn't the history is just not there it's kind of uh, smoke and mirrors right you have 2005 and then that's wonderful and then you go back to the 60s so um there's not a whole lot there but what there is there is an incredible amount of money just money money that 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 you know other programs and other schools across the country don't even understand so there's an incredible amount of money. There's an incredible amount of, of control over uh, media outlets um, that is is just amazing. It does not it's not parallel to the success they've had in sports. Of course, it never has been. But uh, it is an incredibly powerful organization, and uh, you know you better you better know what you're getting. That's all. That's all that anybody's <laughs> going to say. You better know what you're signing up for. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of money. You get a lot of viewership. You get a lot of ESPN love. And you're going to get a nice, nice logo to put in that SEC West circle or the SEC circle for sure. Uh, but you get a lot more than that. You get a lot more than that with the University of Texas. So it'll be curious to see how it works out. All right. Well, it's going to be a little while before the Horns find themselves playing in the SEC. So right now, uh, they're stuck in the Big 12, if you if you want to call it that. But right now, this weekend, they're kind of stuck in the Southwest Conference. Texas has the Rice Owls coming in for a <laughs> aforementioned Longhorn Network broadcast. This is kicking off at 7 o'clock there on the 40 acres. Texas comes in with their hooves right down their throats. Arkansas put it on them last week, Matt Hermans. Yeah, yeah, the uh... – the pigs really got after him, and that was a that's a pretty cool matchup. That was old Southwest Conference. I think they used to call that the Dixie Classic back in the day. That was uh, there's a book written about that matchup, but um, of course not named that anymore. But uh, that Which was should uh, be. very very much should be. And um, so you're right. The the pigs <laughs> just absolutely got after got after Texas. Um, but uh, there's there's not really better. There's not. The rice owls are a great, um, I guess, cure for what ails you. So um, they're sitting at zero and two, uh, and Texas will almost assuredly bounce back from the pig stomping that they took uh, in Edville. Yeah. So, yeah, we played the fight song heading into this segment, Matt. The 
Pokes are going to be out at Albertson Stadium on the blue turf. Boise State and Oklahoma State. This is a Saturday evening telecast on FS1. Now that that's an intriguing game for sure. Oklahoma State struggled um, mightily. In fact, came away just with a couple other Big Twelves did the same. Uh, Big Twelve teams did the same thing. But Oklahoma State's lucky to come away with a win uh, this last last week, and now they head into a very hostile uh, Boise State environment there. Like I say, on the blue turf. So, you know, Oklahoma State has the on paper they look like they should be better than they are. They've got a Mm, talented quarterback that has kind of failed to Spencer Sanders has really uh, he's got a lot going on for him. But Spencer Rattler, Spencer Spencer no Spencer Rattler. There's two Spencers. I know I, I, I knew that. You're, I was just picking you're, on you. You're, you're you're mixing me up on the Spencers, but uh, <laughs> both of them. You could say a lot the same for both of them. But now Spencer Sanders has some talent and ability. He just hadn't quite put it together yet. That offense shows streaks and then shows times that it looks lost. So this is the this is a toss up game in my opinion, and uh, I can't wait to. It, it should be a good matchup. This will be a nice night, a nice evening treat. Yes, also a nice evening treat for you. CBS Sports Network's got the Iowa State Cyclones trying to bounce back from a bad loss at home. They're going to be there at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. UNLV, the Rebels, welcoming in Iowa State. Texas Tech has the Panthers of FIU visiting Lubbock this weekend. Baylor and Kansas have a little battle there. And Lawrence, Kansas got throttled by Coastal Carolina for the third straight year this past weekend. Nevada is going to be playing in Manhattan. K-State welcomes in the Wolf Space Pack. Then the other two games, Matt, I want to get your take. You got Nebraska at Oklahoma. A classic from the Big 8 is renewed. And Virginia Tech goes over to play West Virginia. What about those two games, Nebraska and OU, or should I say NU and OU, and then Virginia Tech and West Virginia? Yeah. Um, I like Nebraska-Oklahoma. That does that does bring really old-school bells from the Big A. These are two, these are two power um, – you know, they, these were the powers in the Big A, essentially, a long time ago. You had some other good teams, but Nebraska and Oklahoma, this was the uh, – these are the two programs, um, and you know a lot has changed. You got Oklahoma sitting at number three right now, and Nebraska has completely lost its identity. Period over the last decade or so, and you got Scott Frost, who's on the who's on the hot seat, uh, an alum, a former quarterback. I remember him uh, playing on some really really good Nebraska teams, but he's he's there in in significant trouble. And Nebraska is a twenty two point underdog mm-hmm. there, which is hard to. Um, yeah, you can't argue with that, really. So, yeah, the uh, the symbology is pretty cool. I like it. Uh, but that game is actually your Fox Noon kickoff there. It is on the Fox yeah. Noon, Noon Fox Noon kickoff on the Fox Network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we've reached a point now. It's funny that a lot of younger viewers are not going to remember Nebraska and Oklahoma being anything. They just think Nebraska has been been a pretty 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 poor team over the last fifteen years. But this does have an incredible amount of history, and I still look forward to it. And this is a uh, this is a team. This is a game that could save Scott Frost's job, although it seems unlikely that it will. Yeah. What about the Nears and the Hokies? Yeah, this is a uh, this is basically a pick 'em. I think it's a three point spread there. Not that. Um, like I say, I'm not a gambler, but it's a lot of times uh, it's it's fun to look at the the spread. Virginia Tech's in at 15. That is something that the uh, the Hokie fans love to see. This is a storied program, at least in the modern era, and uh, really had some struggles recently. Uh, West Virginia is sitting at one and one. They they uh, struggled the first week and then bounced back big against their FCS opponent. But um, I like this matchup. I think it's two 
two schools that are kind of uh, geographically close to uh, in the same basic region. You got a couple mountain schools, Western Virginia and then West Virginia, uh, same basic region. I think it, it should be played more, uh, but uh, I like it. I think it's interesting. Uh, this is Big 12 ACC, and um, yeah, uh, this this is uh, we're going to find out. Virginia's not a bad program, not a bad team this year. I don't think they're going to be great. They're not going to win the Big 12, but they're not going to be bad. So I think this will tell you whether that 15 ranking is is uh, you know is it maybe not warranted, but it, are they for real? Can they can they beat a uh, a power conference opponent? Uh, they've struggled in the last few years, but I'm anxious to see. And that game from Morgantown kicks off at 12 noon, 11 Central on FS. One. He is Matt Hermans. Thank you so much for your knowledge of Big 12 football and barbecue and more. Why don't you say we get back together in about oh, a week and do it again? Uh, put it on the calendar. I can't wait. Yeah, put it on the calendar to write it in blood if you don't mind. He sure. is Matt Hermans. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. And we will, again, have him back. It's always so much fun when we can get that fella to come on and mix it up with barbecue and a little pigskin talk, too. We feel quite lucky when Matt Hermans is a special guest. When we come back, we're going to wrap this hour up. We've got a look at the New York Times bestsellers list. That's ahead as the Y'all Show continues. We're promising you a show all about the South. We are the Y'all Show, and we're going to wrap up this second hour with a quick look at the big New York Times bestsellers list. This is for the week ending September 19th in the combined print and ebook fiction category. How about Paula Hawkins? Her book debuts at number one, A Slow Fire Burning. Colleen Hoover's book's been out about four months on the New York Times bestsellers list. It Ends With Us is Colleen Hoover's new book. Stephen King's latest read, Billy Summers. It's been out just over a month. It checks in at number three on the fiction list. Louise Penny's The Madness of Crowds. It is number four on the New York Times combined print and ebook fiction list. And rounding up the top five of the fiction category... Taylor Jenkins Reid. That is a native of the eastern shore of Maryland. And her latest book, which has been out about two months, it's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Now, looking at the combined print and ebook nonfiction category, brand new this week, investigative reporter for the Washington Post, Craig Whitlock, has penned the Afghanistan Papers, and it is number one. This one's been out two months. It's number two on the list. American Marxism from Fox News host Mark R. Levin. Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score. It checks in at number three. It's been out just around a year now, and it's number three on the combined print and ebook nonfiction category. Fox News host Tucker Carlson's The Long Slide. He is at number four with his book, 
a collection of previously published essays from over 20 years ago. And the number five book, brand new this week, Roxanne Van Eyperen's The Sisters of Auschwitz. It checks in at number five on the nonfiction category. That is a look at the reads available right now for you. These are the New York Times bestsellers. We'll be wrapping up, y'all, with hour number three in just a few minutes. Make sure you stay tuned for all of the fun. And we've got a lot of great stuff coming your way in the third hour. Don't miss out on a Southern sports update. We'll also have headlines from across the South and so much more on the show here that covers all things Southern. There's got to be a little rain sometime. Eight oh three eight one six eleven seventy. No, that's not the winning tickets on the lotto for their drawing next time they do that thing. No, that is the way to get in touch with the show that's all about the South. We're South-centric here on what we call the Y'all Show. We don't apologize for our Southerness. We're all Dixie. And I'm John Rawl, and I am leading this all-Dixie, pro-Dixie effort as we cover the news of the South. We cover the scars of the South. We also have a lot of fun covering things like sports and entertainment news. We cover the weather when things like Nicholas come visit us. We, we cover that, the good and the tragedy of things like hurricanes and tropical storms. And we take your calls, and that number is a text number at 803-816-1170. Our website, by the way, is y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. Got stuff going up all the time at y'all.com. You're just going to have to check it out. That's just that's just what you're going to have to do. Remember when you did things growing up and you didn't want to do them and somebody had to come slap you on the side of the head and said, you know, you're just going to have to do it. There's just no other way around it. Well, that's what you got to do if you want to stay on top of what's going on across the southeast. You're going to have to bookmark y'all.com, the South's homepage. You're going to have to go there and find the Y'all Show at the South's homepage. And therefore, by doing that, you can keep up with the Y'all Show each and every day that we have an incredibly awesome show. And since we come to you not only on incredibly awesome radio stations across the southeast, but if you end up missing a portion of the show because you had to go out and maybe rake a few leaves that have fallen prematurely on your beautiful lawn maybe you've got to go pick up somebody you're in the car rider line and you see your friend that you haven't seen in about two hours and you just have to say oh uh, uh, how have you been where what's going on Uh, if you have one of those types of deals and you we're listening to the y'all show and and then that person that you really probably didn't want to talk to anyway but you have to be nice in car rider lines across the south yeah if any of that happens that's why we have the podcast you can go listen on your own schedule and a reminder the y'all show podcast is not just at great websites like y'all.com you can find it on these really cool podcast options the y'all show is available at the iheart app it's on the tune in radio app 
It's on podcast. That's the beautiful purple app logo thingy that you can find if you have an Apple product. It's also on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. And it's on your mind to keep up with it. And all you got to do on any of those podcast options is search Y'all Show. And we're right there. Just, Just as easy as as it can be for you to be able to click on it and boom you're set up to listen to y'all in its podcast form so those are the ways to stay in touch and i'll remind you one more time that's how we started this little diatribe out i'll do it again if you want to text us it's 803-816- 1170. Now, let me tell you what's up in this final hour. We are going to pick back up with some Southern news headlines to launch this third hour. And then we'll also, well, we, we have the headlines coming. Um, that's actually coming a little later. Up first, we're going to bring you back up to speed on some Southern sports. I got to weigh in on the Southern Cal Trojans earlier this week. They fired Coach Helton, and some names are bubbling up about a replacement there in Tinseltown. And I'll share with you an article from the Bleacher Report about who they think could be possibilities to take over there for the Southern Cal Trojans of the Pac-12. Also, Bleacher Report, got to give them a lot of good, good praise here. They're doing a good job. They've got an article that kind of evaluates all 32 NFL teams after they've played their first game. And I'll bring you up to speed on both of those Bleacher Report articles in just a moment. That's part of our Southern sports coverage here to launch hour three. Later in the hour, have you gone into a business and you're just laughing like I am about, you've got to be kidding me. This place that should be open 20 hours a day in most cases is now you're lucky if it's going to be open eight. And it's because of the unbelievable labor shortage going on. And I've got some information that I'll be passing along a website to come up with who is having a tougher time, at least comparing states against each other, when it gets to this whole labor shortage. So we'll be doing that as we cruise the South in our next segment. Then, after that, we'll have our headlines and some other things going on across the Southeast. And we even have some fun stuff in terms of our headlines. Fun stuff includes... The Price is Right, celebrating 50 years. How about a man at Disney World using a stolen iPad to give unauthorized tours there and help to skip lines? What a knucklehead. And Krispy Kreme, the North Carolina-based company, with maybe the biggest news story of the day, they're rolling out an all-new apple cider donut. What are we talking about here? Oh, can't wait to share that news. That's coming up later in the hour with our news headlines of the day. So without any further hesitation, let me get right into the sports update here in this final hour because I can't wait to start talking about donuts as soon as I possibly can, especially apple cider donuts. All right, here are the news stories. Let's first start start talking out about a little college football and the Big story, really, of the whole week, I would think, would be one of your premier college football programs making a change after just one game into the – well, did they, they played two games. They played – it was after they beat – they played a 
did they play Fresno State or somebody like that week one? But week two, the USC Trojans lost at home pretty convincingly to the Stanford Indian Cardinal. And after they lose to Stanford, well, the powers that be at USC, including athletic director Mike Bone, announcing that Coach Helton has got to go. And Clay Helton out, a former Auburn quarterback, now who's been at USC for over a decade as an assistant coach before ultimately getting the job as head coach. And he is out after his team lost by double digits to the Stanford football team, the SFT. (laughs) And what are they going to do? Where are the Trojans going to look as a replacement? Well, Bleacher Report's done a great job of kind of breaking down several of the high-profile names. Some of these names have popped up in years past when there's been a vacancy there just outside of the Coliseum. Well, I guess you would play in the Coliseum, but you probably aren't making decisions inside the Coliseum if you're a USC administrator. Penn State's James Franklin is on the Bleacher Report's list of possible Southern Cal coaches. Now, of course, Franklin was at Vanderbilt. He was at one time the coach in waiting at the Maryland Terrapins, and Vanderbilt scooped in and hired him, made him a coach, and he has done the best job that any coach in the last 70 years has done at Vanderbilt University. What he did was amazing. That's why after a few years of going and winning and competing and have an ESPN game day come there to Vanderbilt. James Franklin got scooped up by Penn State back in his native Pennsylvania. And last year was a little weird for Penn State. They did not have a good season. But, man, they've already started out pretty strong here this year. They went and got a big win that first week over Wisconsin. They have Auburn coming into Happy Valley this weekend. And that's why James Franklin – a rebuilder, a guy that can make Vanderbilt a competitive football team and has done a good job at winning a Cotton Bowl just a few years ago, beating the Memphis Tigers in Arlington, Texas. James Franklin is a Bleacher Report candidate for USC. Also a candidate is Matt Campbell of Iowa State. Now this one would make a lot of sense. I don't know if James Franklin would leave a Big Ten school to go to USC because he's got a good deal going. He hasn't he hasn't made Penn State a champion yet, and I think he wants to make Penn State a champion. And he's making good money. But Matt Campbell at Iowa State, now that's a different story. Iowa State is not a premier football team in the hierarchy of college football. He agreed to stick around Ames after the end of last year, a year of which the Cyclones made their very first Big 12 championship game appearance, and they lost to Oklahoma after beating them in the regular season, by the way. But Matt Campbell is on the list, and after his team got beat by 10 at home to Iowa this past weekend, he might need to think about moving on. He's done perhaps the only thing he can do in Ames and that's get a winning percentage he already has Matt Campbell the best winning percentage as a head coach in Iowa State's entire history and it's not even that great it's just over 500 554 winning percentage 
At one time in 2020, the Cyclones were ranked ninth in the AP poll. That was in the final rankings, to his, to his credit. They did get a Fiesta Bowl victory over Oregon. But this year, after Iowa, for I think the sixth out of the seven years they played here recently in the Cyhawk Trophy Series, they embarrassed Iowa State in the game. They should have won. They absolutely should have won. If he's truly got that program back to a point they've never been, you can't lose to your rival, your in-state rival, from another conference as they did. All right, another candidate. This is a candidate, a little bit thinking outside of the box, that we've heard mentioned before as a possible either NFL or college head coach. It's a guy who is a legend as a college football player. It's Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and he would be a very good candidate, mainly because he played running back for the Colorado Buffaloes when they won their national championship in 1990. He played for the Buffs 87 to 91. Then started his coaching career there at CU before moving on to the NFL ranks. He coached at Colorado starting in 2001 after he had had a chance to do some NFL playing back in the 90s. He's never been a head coach, but he's interviewed for several NFL jobs. I really thought he would have been hired this past season, and USC could go to him. I mean, the job he's done as an offensive coordinator there in Kansas City is phenomenal. I mean, Andy Reid brought him there, and he's taken a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who I don't really recall from his college days at Texas Tech. He's made him a superstar. Somebody has. It might not be the enemy. It could be Andy Reid, or it could be Mahomes, frankly. Uh, doing a great job. The Super Bowl winner from 2019 Mr. Great Patrick Mahomes. Another possibility. This guy, now this makes a lot of sense. He was a fantastic college football coach at Penn State before taking the big paycheck and moving on to the the Houston Texans. And he did a good job in Houston. It's Bill O'Brien, who's currently Alabama's offensive coordinator. Nick Saban has a way of getting these A-lister offensive coordinators, guys who had been head coaches in the past, the Sarkeesians, the Lane Kiffins of the world. And now O'Brien is the latest washed-up coach that's on Saban's staff, and I'm joking on the whole washed-up thing. But O'Brien, who led the Houston Texans into the playoffs, just couldn't get them on to further excitement, further success beyond maybe a wild card win and Houston ultimately parted ways with him and he's now an offensive coordinator in Tuscaloosa he would be a good choice I would think here's one that the Bleacher Report articles got that this guy might be willing to jump after just one game back to the college scene it's Urban Meyer his Jaguars got beat pretty bad by that Houston Texans team this past Sunday, could Urban Meyer want to co-coach the Southern Cal Trojans? Is he a better 
college coach than an NFL coach? Well, right now he's 0-1 in the professional circuit. And we know what he did on the collegiate circuit with national championships at two different schools. What is he, a three-time national championship football coach? Urban Meyer? I think I'm right on that. And uh, he would be a very good coach there for the Trojans. But he may be very happy in Jacksonville. That's... I wish him well. I mean, I'd like to see a college coach go to the NFL and do really well. We've not had that, to my knowledge, in a very long time. Maybe not since Lombardi, <laughs> who had been, a, I think, an assistant college coach before he got a job. Uh, maybe it was with the Giants. I don't know. It's a pretty good story on Vince Lombardi if you ever get a chance. Here's a guy. Man, this would be quite a coup. Lane Kiffin, a former Trojan head coach, of course, who left Tennessee at the altar after just one season to go take that USC job right around the 2010 season, I think it was. And he was at USC for four years, 2010 to 2013. His teams did finish, or his time there, he was 28 and 15. But he got fired, the, the famous story, fired on an airport tarmac while he was boarding the team plane after USC lost to Arizona State in November of 2013. And he had to go off to Siberia. He went to Florida Atlantic. Then he kind of got out a little bit out of Siberia. Well, before he was at Florida Atlantic, he was, of course, at Alabama. But that was kind of Siberia because he wasn't the head coach. He was a coordinator for Nick Saban. But what a job he did helping Jalen Hurts and get a national championship there for the capstone. Then in 2017, Florida Atlantic gave him that chance to go back and be a coach again. He did that, led them to a Conference USA championship. Then he got out of Siberia and moved – I guess you could call it to one of those Stan countries, the Turkmenistan or Uzbekistan, when he went to Oxford. Because <laughs> it probably is a little bit easier and better to live in one of those Stan countries, at least from a temperature standpoint, than to be in Siberia. But he's still not in the promised land. And Oxford, Mississippi is a is a nice place. It's a it's a it's a place that most average people would would just love and enjoy but this is lane kiffin this is a spoiled brat this is a guy who got a chance to be a head coach in the nfl before he was 35 years old this is a guy who's been a head coach at a couple of different places already and he's not even 45 years old i don't think and the question is is he okay living in a somewhat not so thrilling place like mississippi or does he want the big time again I think he's willing to. I think willing is. I think he's deserving. That's the word I'm looking for. He is deserving of a chance to go back to be USC's coach. This guy has turned around a awful Mississippi program that had been in the bad headlines for what Mister Freeze did, and then Mister Wade, a good guy, but had a bad hand dealt him to come in and take over after Hugh Freeze 
And Kiffin has made, I won't say Mississippi great again, but he's made it, if you're a fan of the Sharks, and that's what I call them, he's made the Sharks fun again. Maybe funner than they've ever been. And I know, I was there during the Eli years. And in the Eli years, man, some of those wins were awful. I mean, they were awesome. (laughs) But those losses, like in 2003, when this team lost to Memphis, or I should say Tiger High for all you Shark fans, they lost to Memphis. They lost to Texas Tech. Both of those games were double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. And then they go on and nearly win the SEC in 2003. And they had Eli Manning, your number one NFL draft pick in 2004. But this right now might even be better than the Kiffin, or rather the Cutcliffe slash Manning era back in 2003. It might even be better than the Archie Who era of what Johnny Vault's teams in the 60s had going on at Ole Miss back when it was Ole Miss. Hotty toddy go Rebels. Lane Kiffin, yeah, he is a possibility for a future USC head coach. Hey, the Bleacher Report also mentions this guy. This guy had a chance to be a head coach and he kind of turned it down. Tony Elliott, he is the offensive coordinator of the Clemson Tigers. And without a doubt, he has done a fantastic job as OC for Dabo Sweeney. He had a chance to go be the Tennessee Vols head coach. And he also interviewed for the Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator job. Kind of a long time, a long shot at being the coach, but he is a possibility, Tony Elliott. And, you know, I'll be quite honest with you. A large part of the decision-making these days, it's not always about winning and losing. Who's going to come in and win the most? Especially if your school doesn't have a track record of having a minority coach. Tony Elliott is black. Eric Bieniemy is black. James Franklin is black. And in a woke place like California, I would think these three guys would all be a little bit higher up as a possibility due to that. And it's a large part because the Trojans have not had a black coach that I'm aware of. I don't think they have, at least in the head football coach position. And that's what, honestly, a lot of schools have to kind of have a certain amount of coaches or else they start catching grief. And uh, that that could be a major factor. But if you look at Urban Meyer, he's in a good position. Why would he leave Jacksonville? If you look at Lane Kiffin, I think he's in a great position. He's got no pressure compared to what he would have at a USC. And he's winning. Tony Elliott, no, he would he should, and, and, and he'd be a fool if he didn't take this opportunity if it was given to him. Bill O'Brien? He absolutely should take the job if it was his. Eric Bieniemy, he's doing everything he can to get a head coaching job. And then Matt Campbell, maybe he's not a California kind of guy, but he's done about all he can do. I don't think James Franklin would go to USC, but that's just my take. If you want to read the article at Bleacher Report, please do that and 
and share with us your thoughts on the potential opening. And this job opening is one of the best in college football. That's why I'm spending this time here on a Southern talk show to talk about it because it's going to have a ripple effect. It will cause people in the South to either take off and head out to Cali or it will ultimately have aftershocks here in Dixie. Hey, one other thing. This is just on the edge of the South and not really Southern, but I thought it was a cool thing when I saw the post about it from this past weekend. Did you realize last weekend in Albuquerque they had the Rio Grande rivalry? That's pretty cool. It's when the New Mexico Lobos and the New Mexico State Aggies tee it up in what do they call that uh new mexico the enchantment land of enchantment i should know that but i have not studied up on new mexico's motto (laughs) lately am i right on that what is new mexico's nickname yeah it is the land of enchantment okay i should know because i just drove through there two years ago and they have a really cool kind of a theme there when you cross into new mexico Back to New Mexico and the history, of course, they have a large American Indian population in that state. And this past weekend, during the Rio Grande rivalry game between the Lobos and the Aggies, they had the very first Division I football game to ever have commentators covering the broadcast entirely doing the play-by-play in the Navajo language. How about that? In fact, I'm going to try to dig up Maybe YouTube's got it here. The play-by-play. How cool would that be? And, uh, yeah, I've been to a wedding in New Mexico on a Navajo reservation, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It was a combination Navajo and English language wedding that I attended, gosh, 20-something years ago. And uh, I'll never forget it. Even had a dog running around in the church during the ceremony, but it worked. They did it. And I assume and I sure hope they're still married. All right, I've got a TV report coming from KRQE. I think that's in Albuquerque. And perhaps they've got a little bit of this play by play that I can play for y'all right now. So. Let me see if they can't uh, bring it up here in just a second and let you hear college football's play-by-play Navajo style. The Lobos and Aggies football game. Okay, come on, guys. Okay, I did not have any luck with that, so I apologize. The report out of Albuquerque, uh, they were anti-Navajo on the air, I guess. Uh, I want to hear that Navajo. Man, I love that movie Code Talkers. If you've not seen that, that World War II film about how the Navajos use their incredible language to fool the Japanese there in the Pacific Theater. What a great, great story. All right, one other Bleacher Report. They're doing extra work here today. They also have a story up that I'm not going to have time today. Maybe I'll save it for the Thursday y'all show. Bleacher Report has power rankings out already of every NFL team as they get ready for their second week of action. So, hey, how about that one? I'm going to... uh, carve that one up when i get a chance i do know i'll go ahead and give you a little bit of a tease the team they got in their power rankings dead last 
that's why he might be on a plane to Tinseltown right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars, number 32 on the Bleacher Reports Power Rankings. Yikes. Trevor Lawrence, what were you thinking? We're going to come right back on the Y'all Show. We've got an article up about the labor shortage that we're going to dissect with you, courtesy of Advanced Local. That's ahead and more headlines from across the South before we get out of here today. Stay tuned. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish uh... is pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. into the show covering all things southern we have a national crisis going on right now it's a labor shortage and a new study has broken down how bad this labor shortage is going on around the country and this study finds that there is theoretically one job available for every unemployed person so why do we have any unemployed people that's a good question don't you think career resource site career cloud has looked at data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, that's the BLS, also Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and CareerBuilder. And according to Career Cloud, openings for every person without a job. I'm going to walk through this information state by state real quick and let you know how your state perhaps fares in the article, in the breakdown of states. Unemployment rate state by state right now, 
The highest state with an unemployment rate is Nevada, 7.7%. The highest southern state is Louisiana at 6.6%, Texas 6.2%, Mississippi 6.1%, Florida's at 5.1%, West Virginia's checking in at 5 Tennessee 4.7, Kentucky 4.4, North Carolina also 4.4, Arkansas is at 4.3, that's where you'll find South Carolina, Missouri at 4.2, Virginia also at 4.2, Georgia is 3.7% unemployed, Oklahoma 3.5, Alabama not bad, 3.2% of Alabamians unemployed, and that's the lowest in the South. As far as other information from this survey that's coming out, where the, where the jobs are and where they're not, job openings and the median annual wage by economic sector, according to this article again at Career Cloud, there are 1.8 million trade, transportation, and utility jobs available. The annual median wage for those jobs right around $47,452. I'm going to tell you what the highest median annual wage job that has a lot of openings is and why I'm scratching my head why these jobs are not being filled. According to this career cloud graphic I'm looking at, and it comes the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 80... What is it? $85,828 is the median annual wage of people working in the information sector, info, whatever that is. Maybe people who dig up stuff like career clouds using (laughs) people working at places like the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. If the median annual wage is $85,828, why in the world are there currently 171,000 people or 171,000 openings in the information sector. Mm. The government currently has over 900,000 job openings. I thought everybody wanted to go work for the government, and the median annual wage for a government worker, $62,140. Man. Now, sadly, in the leisure hospitality business, that median annual wage is 25000 $658. They've got currently 1.6 million jobs open in that particular field. Okay, so let me see. We are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We've got another thing to pass along from this career cloud info hiring and getting hired in the age of COVID. The average job openings per unemployed person. So how many jobs could you find in your state based on this data? I can tell you, scanning through here, that in the District of Columbia, they've got 2.37 jobs for every person. In the South, the highest state with that information is Georgia with just over 1.12, Alabama 1.1, Virginia is at 1.04, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, State of Louisiana has 0.52 jobs open per unemployed person. So hard to get a job in Louisiana. At least that's what this data is showing. Yeah, rather rather interesting. I invite you to go on to careercloud.com and find this information and dig up 
just how bad it is in your area or what you think it might be. The article is called, How Bad is the Labor Shortage in Every State? at careercloud.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, I've got a little teaser. I'm going to tell you about apple cider donuts coming to Krispy Kreme. And I'm going to talk about the price is right. Survey says that we'll be right back. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Back into the Y'all Show, just a couple of minutes left, and the Price is Right theme song playing because happy 50th season of the Price is Right. Come on down. Oh, yes, you have probably grown up watching this show, and what a job people like Bob Barker have done on it through the years. Drew Carey, of course, taking over not all that long ago. Well, shoot, it's probably been 20 years now that I think about it. Yes, The Price is Right on CBS. 50 years strong, happy, happy celebration there. And I'm still a little bit bitter at The Price is Right. I got up early when I was in my Los Angeles visit to some 15 years ago, and I got up early. I followed the instructions about how you got on as a guest on The Price is Right Got down there at the crack of dawn and still didn't get on. And I'm a bit bitter. But you know what? Me and about 200 other people also didn't get to uh, have at that time. I guess it was, well, it was probably Drew Carey at that time. They didn't have the opportunity to tell John, come on down, Mr. Y'all. By the way, I was in Los Angeles at that time because of y'all. As I, and I'm patting myself here on the back, got invited to appear on an e-entertainment TV show called 25 Steamy Southerners. And I got to go out there and weigh in on some of the people that they had picked to be on that show. And pretty cool to go be on national TV talking about the South. Right now, I'm on national radio and national and international podcast doing the same darn thing. Come on down. Happy anniversary. A little bit not so happy news coming from 
Louisiana. Authorities have captured an alligator that's suspected of killing a Slidell man. A 12-foot, 504-pound alligator captured in the area of Avery Estates. That is where 71-year-old Timothy Satterley went missing back on August 30th. After searching for weeks, they've discovered that an alligator evidently attacked the 71-year-old Satterley. And this past weekend, wildlife agents saw a large alligator in a waterway. Deputies, with the assistance of Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, trapped the alligator. And it appears that he, the alligator, he or she, is the gator suspected of killing the Slidell, Louisiana man. A Georgia teenager was attacked in Florida in what's called the Shark Bite Capital of Florida, Volusia County Beach. That is the shark bite capital of Florida. Did you you realize that? And this teenager suffered non-life-threatening injuries last week when a shark bit him on the arm as he surfed there at the shark bite capital. The 16-year-old was paddling a surfboard about 500 feet offshore, just north of Ponce Inlet, in the middle of the afternoon on Thursday of last week and he got bit on the arm. He's going to be okay. But it is the 10th unprovoked bite of the year in Volusia County, Florida, the shark bite capital of the Sunshine State. Hmm. How about another article out of the Sunshine State? A man has used a stolen iPad to give unauthorized tours of Disney World, and he also was using it to skip lines at Disney World. What a low life this man in Florida is. I don't have a name for him, but... According to authorities, the man was using a Walt Disney World-owned iPad that had access to a private company application, and it was caught giving unauthorized tours at one of the parks using technology to skip to the front of the lines, according to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. The deputies ended up catching the man. The 30-year-old man has been taken into an office by a Disney manager to be trespassed from the property do not come on down in this case but what they uh i think the term would be low life here for this fellow and as we wrap up our stories from across the southeast here today Krispy cream is rolling out an all-new apple cider donut can you can you feel it it's only going to be available this week and next according to the donut chain as they're rolling out apple cider donuts for one week only actually it's only available this week at participating stores customers will have a choice of these three apple cider glazed donuts they've got apple cider glazed apple cider glazed original filled brown sugar cream that's a long long description and the last is apple cider glazed cake donuts Krispy Kreme made a new glaze out of apple cider and spices for its apple cider glazed donut, and the filled variety is stuffed with an airy brown sugar cream. Sounds delicious. Sounds like something you really should be getting more in October, don't you think? I don't know. We're just a few weeks away. I guess they got to build up for the pumpkin spice fun coming for that. But how about that? All you donut lovers, Krispy Kreme and apple cider. They go together like honey and butter don't you think or maybe like apple cider and delicious north carolina based Krispy cream donuts 
We will wrap up this y'all show after this quick timeout. Hang on. We got some parting thoughts and your calls and texts welcome as well when we get back. We'll be right back, y'all. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive, bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. We've hit the checkered flag of this Wednesday Y'all Show. John Rawl, thanking you so much for taking a couple of hours out of your day or night to listen to us here on awesome radio stations and awesome podcast options. Our number, if you want to ever reach out to us via text, it's 803-816-1170. We would absolutely be honored to hear from you no matter where you are across the South or the entire world, for that matter. Coming up on the Thursday Y'all Show, we got more sports and more headlines. we got an SEC update, in fact, coming your way on the Thursday Y'all Show. More social media fun, courtesy of hashtag Hullabaloo. We've got the latest out of the entertainment world and all that's going on in the country music capital of the world, Nashville, Tennessee. Melissa Rhodes is going to be filing a Southern accent on Southern business on our Thursday Y'all Show. Plus, we have the top public schools. U.S. News and World Report has just put out an article about the top public colleges, and I'm going to share with you. I know some schools are really celebrating big this week after they've climbed up in the rankings. I saw something about the University of Florida actually climbing up pretty big, and they're celebrating there in Gainesville. We'll have all that plus a look at the festivals headed your way here this mid-September weekend. Until we see you all or hear you all or you hear us on our Thursday Y'all Show, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Y'all, powered by the South homepage, y'all.com.
asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. If you're worried about your borderline blood pressure, hear how others are taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. Garlic works safely and naturally to support my blood pressure. Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula has a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals, so you know it works. No garlic taste, no garlic breath. Take charge of your blood pressure with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed.